Okay, so we're going to get started, and this is our introduction, and we're going to look, of course, at Matthew 28. This is one of my favorite passages in Scripture, and if you know me, as Laura will tell you, no, I won't. that um, <laughs> I, I say this verse all, all the time, so people who know me can quote it, and, um, but the Great Commission, it starts in Matthew 28 and verse 16. And it says, but the 11 disciples proceeded to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had designated. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. So remember, there were 12 disciples, but now there's just 11 because Judas has killed himself. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the earth. I want you to notice that Judas isn't with them. So they've gone from 12 to 11. And not only is Judas not, not with them, but he's killed himself. So it's pretty, pretty bad. And there's a lot of disappointment, I'm sure. But their king has been arrested. He's been tried. He's been crucified, but he's risen from the dead. And he's appeared to all of them. They've all seen him. He's been alive in his resurrected body, which somehow can go through walls, which is super duper cool in the new heaven and the new earth when our resurrected bodies can go through walls. So somehow he's in his resurrected body, but even though they're there together, they worship him, but some doubted. So the reason I'm focusing on that first is because we all have seen disappointment in our life. Amen. We've seen struggles in our life. But we've also seen God really come through, right? Mm -hmm. However, when God says, I'm here, you're here, I'm going to commission you, a lot of times we have doubts in our heart. Can God use us? Is something from our past going to get in the way? Will people listen to what we say? Can we make an impact? And, and we can come, and even those people that doubted, Jesus still gave the commission. And that's what I want you to recognize, that he did not say, oh, okay, you guys are doubting. You guys go down the mountain. Now, those who are left, I'm giving you this commission. He gave it to all of them. So before you know, we move forward, we're going to get into um, Ephesians 4 a little bit. And a little bit in Colossians, I want you to think a minute about where these men are, where they have come from. What have they spent the last three years of their life doing? Following Jesus. And during that time of following Jesus, what have they been doing? They've been doing miracles. They've been learning. What else? Making mistakes, yes. Amen. I, I'm good at that. <laughs> what else? What else have they been doing? They've been doing miracles. They've been learning. They've been Hiding. making mistakes. 
Sometimes they've been hiding. They've been teaching people. But who have they been with day in and day out? Jesus. So I want you to notice that first, that Jesus did not grab 12 random people off the street and say, oh, hey, you know, let me call you to turn the world upside down. He called people that had not, that are flawed, but they had been with him day in and day out for three years. And that is the first thing that God looks for. Not if we're perfect, not if we have it all together, but are we with him? Are we with him? Are we in his word? Are we praying? Are we with his people? Are we with him? Is he the center of our life? Is he the one we ask before we make a decision? Or is he an afterthought? Are we with him? And I, I just, so I want to start there, and I'm going to talk a little bit about how Jesus trains people. But I want, I want you to realize, you can never take someone further than where you're at. I talk to moms a lot, you know, and I was talking to one mom and her daughter is really rebellious right now and, um, you know, still outwardly conforming to all the rules, but inside her heart is just very wayward. And in talking to the mom, she has not been in a word in two years. So I said, the first thing I would do if I were you is I would get in the word. If my daughter was rebellious, I would get in the word because you cannot duplicate what you're not. You only can duplicate what you are. It doesn't mean that everyone you minister to is going to follow Christ, but you can't bring people past where you are. Does that make sense? You can kick them <laughs> towards someone else who can help them, but you can't bring them past where you are. And so it's really important. The first thing is to say, I want to be closer to Jesus. I want to be filled with him because it doesn't matter how many flaws you have. The Holy Spirit has a great way of overcoming all of our weaknesses and shining through no matter what. So don't wait until you've got it all together. Ask the question, am I close to Jesus? Am I pursuing him? Because if you're close to Jesus and you've been pursuing him, you are going to learn. And the disciples learned a lot, a lot of lessons by making mistakes. Okay? <laughs> you know, they made a lot of lessons. And, and, and as we strive to follow Christ, we're going to make a lot of mistakes. And it's okay. And one of the most important things when you make a mistake is to repent, but then to receive God's forgiveness. When you have repented, receive God's forgiveness and move on. And don't stay. Don't stay where you are. So I want to take a second and I just want to um, look at Ephesians 4. And you could turn there. And Ephesians 4 is um, just one of my favorite, favorite passages. We're not going to look at a lot of it, but I encourage you to camp out. If you really want to make an impact um, in the kingdom of God, 
but camp out in the book of Ephesians, camp out in the book of First Thessalonians, because there's so much wisdom in those two books for impacting others' lives. And um, so I'm going to start um, with um, Ephesians 4. I'm going to read 1 through 1 through 6. Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as also you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. He starts out by saying, hey, by the way, just a reminder, I'm in jail for sharing the gospel. Alexander was talking to me today about a man who went to, I'm, I'm guessing it was probably a communist country for it to be illegal to bring in Bibles, but he went, in, he went to this country and um, he was bringing Bibles and they arrested him and they put on his record trafficking. They didn't put trafficking Bibles, so it could be trafficking drugs, it could be trafficking women. And they arrested him and they put him in a little place where he had one arm chained to this leg and one arm chained to this leg. And for four days he was there? I think it was four days. Four days. And he just had a short window. He said, so they finally let him out and they said, you have 24 hours to get out of this country. So he thought to himself, okay. I have 24 hours, I can preach the gospel, and I can get rid of all these Bibles I brought in. <laughs> now, we think that, you know, if we if we were in that situation, we would just get out of the country. But see, he had those four days there. And Alexandra was telling me that in the beginning, he wasn't really happy with God. But by the end, he had a grateful heart. And so um, part of what I just want to say is, are we willing to give up everything? Are we willing to give up everything to follow Christ? Are we willing to be misunderstood? I think in setting my life when I was a young woman, um, I set my life, I said, Jesus, I want you to use me. I want you to use me to impact people. I don't want fame. I don't want a lot of money. I don't want to be famous. I don't want any of that stuff. I just want you to use me in the lives of people. And I've never been arrested, but I have been slandered. I have been hurt. I have been made fun of. I have been rejected. I have had people post nasty things about me on Facebook. I have had a lot of those things. And, the, and, and you know, and we think about those things, you know, we think about, oh, when you're persecuted, Joyce and all that stuff but when things like that happen to you it really really hurts and we have to make a choice in the beginning if our life is going to matter for God if we're going to speak truth and live truth and call people to follow Jesus we are going to suffer 
persecution to some degree. It's going to happen. And it's going to be hard. But so Paul starts out and he says, I just want to remind you that I'm in prison. And I think, okay, someone posting something mean about me on Facebook is not prison. I think I can deal with that. (laughs) And then we say, he says, walk in, in a manner worthy of the calling of which you have received with all humility and gentleness. One of the things the Lord has taught me as a worship leader, and, you know, my worship team probably gets so sick of hearing this, but is to walk in humility before the Lord. Because one of the things that I want as a worship leader is I want the Holy Spirit to come. I want people to worship, and I want people to come and feel the presence of God. And so over the years, the Lord has taught me when my heart is proud, when I'm thinking, you know, oh, wow, we sound really good today. The Holy Spirit somehow doesn't really show up. But when our hearts are humble, when our eyes are on Jesus, when we are after him, the Bible says, humble yourself under God's mighty hand and His in his due time, he will lift you up. The Bible says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So one of the things I always say, you know, to and I tell people this regularly as a group and individually, I say, when you're on a stage, you have to regularly clean a toilet. Now, that doesn't mean everyone has to go out and clean the toilets of the world. But the point is, if you're going to be visible, you have to be a hidden servant or your heart will become proud because it's at that you're kneeling down in front of a toilet cleaning poo off the toilet seat, you realize, I am not all that on a slice of bread. (laughs) I am just an ordinary woman of God, and God has been gracious enough to allow me to serve him. And I think we have to cultivate, you know, sometimes we think humility comes when God just crushes us, but you can be crushed and still not be humble. You can be humble without being crushed. Because the Bible says, humble yourself. It says to humble yourself. And um, so I think the reason I'm saying that is because in ministry, in making an impact, and this could be in our children's lives, it could be in our grandchildren's lives, it could be in our neighbors' lives, it it could be like look around this room in one another's life, and I'm going to talk about that in a minute. But we want, we never want God resisting us. If Kate, if Jenny Rose tries to get up and I am pushing her down, she is going to be frustrated. And if you are trying to impact your husband or your children or your friends with the gospel and the Holy Spirit, God himself is resisting you, you are going to feel frustrated. So you don't want God resisting you because God resists the proud and he gives grace to the humble. So one of the main things we want to do is we want to keep our heart humble before the Lord and humble before people. And I am going to tell you something about myself. I am so opinionated and I am so strong-willed and I always think I know best and I am right. 
and not so much anymore that I always think, but that's, I look at people, I, I'll say to myself, oh, why are they so stupid? You know, I get so frustrated. And um, I remember when I was in college, my roommate, um, Susie, I sat down with her because someone had told me that I was opinionated and prideful. And I said to Susie, can you believe they said that about me? And Susie said, well, Mary, it is true. And oh, Susie's such faithful a are the wounds of a friend. And so I began to say to the Lord, what should I do? And he said, always tell yourself when you're in a conversation with someone, I could be wrong and they could be right. So I started doing that. I had to do that for 10 years to really believe it. <laughs> because <laughs> that is how much pride is in me. And sometimes there's certain topics that I have to sit. The Lord will just rebuke me after I've, you know, sputtered and, you know, ranted and the Lord will rebuke me and, and I do believe very strongly that we should stand for truth. But there has to be a humility in us that some of the things that we have to, and this humility is before the Lord. Do I really believe that I could be wrong? So I have learned in my life to start welcoming things that will make me feel humble. Like, for instance, if I'm singing and I hit a wrong note, or come in early or come in late, I've trained myself to say, Lord, thank you so much for this opportunity to be humbled. And that has really, like, I don't even care if I make a mistake because I know that is a reminder to me that God is great, other people are awesome, and I don't need to be exalted in front of them. Does that make sense? So I think... Um, that is like our starting point, and that is our, it's it's almost like it's that tool you keep in your back pocket. You know how many guys carry around? My dad always had a pocket knife. It's like the pocket knife. If we were a guy, we carry around in our pocket that we're, we're making sure that we're, we're humble before the Lord. And if we are, God will not be resisting us. He will be moving us into place. You know, when you think of resisting, you think of being held back. But when you think of not being resisted, God's moving us into place where he can use us. Um, we want to not only be humble, but do our best to preserve unity. And um, I find that one of the most heartbreaking things that I have ever seen in my life as a Christian is division. And you can watch it cooking up. You can watch it. You can just sit, you can just sit back and you can like almost see it forming and taking root. And you know, it is it is not an easy thing to maintain unity. It's not an easy thing to try to see people reconcile. That's why I think I the Lord says peacemakers will be called sons of God. Like if people who are able to bring peace. They're going to say, that is an angel. That is an amazing person. And I remember, you know, there are times that it feels impossible. I remember a situation that I was talking to someone and they were, um, you know, they were like blasting, you know, just blasting me. And you, you did this wrong and I can't believe you think this and you need to do this. 
And this is what I said. I said, I would very much like right now for you to be right and for me to be wrong. Because if you were right, I would just say, I am so sorry. Will you forgive me? And we could move on. But I really don't feel in this situation that to do things the way you're suggesting would honor Christ. I just really don't. And the person said to me, I know that you're telling the truth. I know that you're telling the truth. They still did not agree with me. But that testified to me how much God had changed me. Now, I don't feel that way in every situation. <laughs> I'm, I'm not patting myself on the back. I'm just saying, wherever you are at, God can change you. So if you listen to what I'm saying and you say, oh, you have no idea. I have this big flaw. It doesn't matter. You humble yourself before God and other people and God will move you and God will shape you and God will put you in place so that he can use you. Um, and I think one of the best ways that we can preserve unity is daily to pray for leaders in the church, for people in the church. When you, if you look at someone and they haven't been to church for a while, it might be because there's a job situation. It might be because, you know, they're sick, but it could be that the devil is attacking them and it could be disunity you don't need to know you don't need to ask but just keep people in prayer because the we we live in a battle zone you know um have you ever seen a movie there's a battle zone and there's the medic and they're going medic medic and the medic runs and sometimes as a leader you can feel like a medic you're just going around sometimes and you're stopping the bleeding but the battle is raging on and so the more we can mobilize people to see what's really happening, it isn't about getting your house clean. It isn't about planning this field trip for the co-op next week, although we have to do both of those things. It is about what we do that is going to matter in 10,000 years. 10,000 years from now. Amen. And like one of the things the Lord taught me is he who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. And I know that, you know, there are friendships that I've distanced myself from, not shut them out because I want to grow wise. I want to walk with people who are pursuing Christ. Does that make sense? Okay, and, and that's a big one for our children. Like whenever I teach to parents about teenagers, I always give that verse. I always say, he who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. Be your child's best friend. Be your teenager's best friend. And know the people they hang out with. And make sure that they love the Lord with all their heart. Because they will impact your children. Okay, so... The bottom line is this, when we, when we break unity, we're still in unity. If they're a believer in Christ, we're still in a unity in the spirit realm. So we can pray, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In that heavenly realm, we can speak unity over situations. 
because we are one body in the spiritual realm. Does that make sense? And I'm not going to go into that because that would be like a whole talk. And never give up. It's not over till the fat lady sings. It's not over till Jesus comes back. It's not over till people are dead. Relationships can be healed. People can come back to Christ. Don't give up. Persevere, stand strong, and don't give up. Don't give up. I remember Mike's brother-in-law, Rob, we had prayed for. You've met him, the big guy. He used to be a bouncer in a bar. and I've met so many fiancés. My favorite, he only married three of them, but he had lots. And my favorite was a biker chick. She had tattoos all over and she had a leather jacket on. He's like, this is my fiance. And I'm like, hi, I hope he doesn't marry her because I'll be nervous for her to come into my house. But she actually turned out to be a nice girl. But he didn't marry her. But the, the, the point is that, you know, I just, we had prayed so much for Rob. And Rob just descended more and more into sin. I mean, I met him. He was sinful and he just got more and more sinful. And then we got a call. And Rob said, I gave my heart to Christ, and I'm born again. And Mike and I were like, mm, yeah, right, we'll see. You know, we'll see. Because we had given up. We had given up. It had been 15 years. We had given up. And so don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. The father of the prodigal son was out there watching. He was out there watching because he saw him from a long way off. So he was running and watching for him to come home. And, you know, there's always going to be people in our life that are prodigal. Hopefully, you know, it won't be our child, but it might be. But the father never stopped watching. And as soon as he saw him coming, he ran. So, um, okay. So, um, the next thing I want to look at, just go down a little bit. Um, it talks about in this passage that God gives leaders in the church. He gives apostles and pastors and teachers and evangelists, and they build the, they build people up so that the people can minister. So their job is not to minister. Their job is to build us up. Does that make sense? So it's it's a bad it's a bad term to call a pastor a minister because we're really the ministers and the pastors and the leaders are the equippers. Does that make sense? Okay, so this is what it says starting in verse 11. And I'm going to focus more Ephesians on 11? Ephesians 4 verse 11. And I'm going to focus more not on what the pastors do, but on what we do. Okay. And he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ until we all reach unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. I'm going to stop right there. That is so hard to understand. But if you think of us as a body, what happens if my arm is missing? What happens, Marielle, if my right arm is missing and my belly button? 
and my left toe, my left toes, <laughs> my left toes. What happens to me? I can't function right. So every person is important. Even the pinky toe. Have you ever hurt your pinky toe? Yes. It's the worst. So everyone is important, and we tend to think so individualistically. Like here at Powerline, we are one local church, and as a local church, we're like a body. And then our local church and all the other churches make up the church in Central Florida. And then the churches in all the cities across the world make up the church in the world. And so we need to focus on being right with God, but then this body functioning together, and then our body functioning with other bodies and, you know, being, being a, in some way, impacting other believers for good. And God is going to use us in different ways to do that. But it's like there's this measure that we can be filled. And that's what excites me. Like, there's some kind of measure that we can have, not us alone, us together. There's a feeling that God has for us when we're about the same purpose, not when we're all running off in our different directions, but when we're set to move forward and to accomplish the purposes of God. So we want, um, we want to be building one another up. So I want you to understand this. And so I brought my tools. These are my special tools that I use to do things. I scrapbook with this. I cut things out for crafts. I do lots of glue gunning, though less now as I age. And of course, when the shoe is not available. <laughs> so here we are. We are all like tools to build. But Instead of the tools being built, like over there, and all of us working together, we are building each other up. So it's like one hammer is fixing another hammer's, whatever this is called. <laughs> and the glue gun is putting that part back on while the hammer nails that thing back in. So here's Mickey Lana. And here's Jane, and here's Alexandra, making sure that that stays tight. And here's Marielle. And so th there we are, right? And we are functioning as tools to one another. And what does that mean? If this tool is fixing this tool and this tool is fixing this tool, what does it mean? We're working in unity. We're working in unity, but we're working before we're perfect. Do you see what I'm saying? So this glue gun is working, but someone's having to fix a part of it. The glue gun is having to fix this. So we're working before we're perfect. Does that make sense? And I think that is, it's really significant to understand because so often 
we feel like for someone to minister to us, they have to have it all together. Or we feel like for us to minister to someone, we have to have it all together. Now, don't forget what I said in the beginning. The disciples had been with Jesus. They humbled themselves. But I want you to keep this in mind. Just remember, I'm a hammer. I'm a glue gun. I'm scissors. God is using me and other other tools are going to build into me while I'm building into them. And it might be like this, this, and then this. You see that? Okay. So it, oh, you didn't? Okay. So it might be this, then this, then this, and then this one comes back. Or it might be that two people are just helping each other. But we're all being fixed, and we're all fixing. Now, the word that comes to my mind when I think of that is messy. Now, and then when you're dealing with women, you add something that men don't usually have to deal with. A few do. This big word called emotions, feelings. Don't you ever wish that you didn't have them? If I could just get rid of the feelings, and the emotions, then I wouldn't get so hurt. I wouldn't get sidetracked. But God did not make a mistake in creating us. Older women, we teach younger women. But we also, according to this passage, build one another up. We're all, we build up men. Men build us up. But in a special, unique way, women build up women. We have a great need as women to feel significant and loved. We have a great need to feel beautiful. The most popular Bible study that I have is Beauty Secrets. Because every woman wants to be beautiful. And in the way that we treat each other, in the words of life that we speak to each other, we can turn each other's lives around. Now, I'm not saying to take the place of Jesus not what I'm saying but we can really impact each other okay I'm gonna keep reading so starting in verse 14 as a result we are no we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried out by every wind of doctrine by the tricky trickery of men by craftiness in deceitful scheming but speaking the truth in love we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fit and held together by what every joint supplies according to the proper workings of each individual part causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. So we speak truth to each other in love. This is truth. We learn to speak the word to each other. And that's one of the things we're going to do tonight. We're each going to ask the Lord to give a scripture for the person on our right and on our left. Because I want us to learn as women to speak the word. This word, it's not like good, it's not good stuff. This word is alive. And it penetrates our heart and it divides. It says it divides our bones to the marrow. It divides our heart. It reveals what's inside of us. It will heal. This, this word 
brings words of life that will heal us. Alexandra can be broken in her heart, and I could find a word from God from this book and speak it to her, and her heart could be instantly healed. That is how powerful this word is. I always tell people, when you're trying to win someone to Christ, sneak the word in. Don't let them know you're quoting scripture. <laughs> Just speak the word, speak the word, speak the word, because the word does not return void. It accomplishes stuff. It turns things around. It levels mountains. So speak the word. So we speak the truth in love. If we are haughty and proud, if we are angry, if we are forceful, if it's all about us and not the glory of God, we can use the word like a weapon. Here's what the word says, and this is not you. That will never, ever win someone's heart. The word will do its job. Your job is to give the word in a loving way. And some of us, if you're like me, I'm German, so I blame that all on being German. Germans have terrible tempers. When I was a young woman, I would slam my door shut when I was angry, and one time it cracked the whole thing around the door. And my dad said, what? My dad, of course, is German, too. <laughs> you know, what? Who did this? I don't know. Oh, it was me, Dad. You need to control your temper, blankety, blankety, blank. You know, my dad was so angry, and I was angry. And, but that's how I grew up. I grew up very, very angry. And God had to take a long time to get anger out of me. You know, and for a long time, I would only be, you know, angry if something was really, really setting me off. And it's not like I never get angry. That's not what I'm saying. But I definitely don't yell and scream like I did before God, a hold, God got a hold of me. So God can set you free from anger. He can set you free from everything that blocks love. Like if you think of love blockers, what are some love blockers? Being angry, yelling, being cold emotionally, keeping a distance from people. All those are things that block love. And if we can get rid of them and love people and give them the word, if we can do that to one another, we will grow up and we will become mature. And um, so um, we come to this place where as we feed one another the word, as we love one another, as we walk in humility, that we're not tossed around anymore. How many of you have had have changed your mind about Maybe something you want to do in the past three months. Maybe there's something you're going to join or be part of or a person that you're going to write a letter to or job change. There's some water. Or, oh, thank you. How many of you have changed your mind about anything in the past few months? We can change our mind, right? And we can change our mind about spiritual things. We can think God is for me. Oh, God's not for me. He's forgotten me. We can be full of faith and then we can be full of doubt. We can be full of gratefulness, and then we can be full of self-pity. Can I get an amen? <laughs> amen. amen. <laughs> so what we need to do is we need to come to a place that we're not tossed back and forth. 
It doesn't come by saying, I'm not going to be angry anymore. You'll probably have an anger explosion before the night's out. It comes from the word and love. Jesus loving us, the word going out, loving one another, speaking the word to one another, being hungry for this word. It's God's spirit and his word that changes us. And so we're going to talk more about this. I'm, I'm kind of wrapping up right now. I want you to relax with Jesus. Tell him, I want to grow in you. I want to be closer to you, and I want you to use me. Feed me and lead me, and help me to hear your voice. And press into him. Press into him. Read the word. Speak the word to other people. Whenever I am doing something where I have to quote a scripture, I never cut and paste it. I always copy it word for word. And I just do it because I'm always in training. And I think, you know what? If I just sit here and copy this word for word on my computer, I am getting meatloaf. If I just cut and paste this, I probably will just skim through it and I'll forget it. But if I, if I type this out, and I'm always using scripture for something or another that we're doing, the co-op or, you know, a Bible study with writing. And that just refreshes my spirit so much. It can be about the king of Assyria. I just copied this. Okay, I'll give you an example. I'm writing about Assyria, right? And so I copy this thing about the king of Assyria, and it's so boring because it's basically like, the king of Judah gives the king of Assyria stuff from the temple to appease him so he won't attack. And the king of Assyria attacks anyway. So I'm just writing historical, right? No, because as I'm writing, the Holy Spirit says, do you see how you try to appease people? You try to appease the enemy? And it doesn't change anything. It doesn't doesn't work the king of judah didn't get it but you can get it and so here i am you know i'm i'm doing history scripture and god is feeding my spirit so i just i want you to have an adventure with jesus where he changes you and as he's changing you you're turning to the woman next to you and the guys too and you're impacting each other and you're changing each other so that we can walk in what God has called us to do. Because being a leader, being a mother, being a wife, all of it is relational. Our walk with Jesus is relational. Leading people is relational. So that is what I have. And this is um, next week. We are going to talk about how Jesus ministered to people and how we can imitate him. But I wanted to start with this foundation, and I want you to remember humbling yourself before the Lord. The word, the word, the word, the word, the word, the word, the word. Knowing Jesus and allowing him to lead you into opportunities for ministry. If, if you right now are listening to me, 
and you feel convicted and the Lord shows you something, repent and receive his forgiveness and let it be over. Do not dwell on it anymore. Repent, let God forgive you and move on. And remember that you are a tool and you are impacting other tools and they're impacting you and it's messy. So the big lesson, if you walk away with nothing else, remember this. M is M. Ministry is messy. Can you remember that? Say it with me. Ministry, Ministry is messy. messy. <laughs> okay.